this week, we're going to wrap this series up and talk about um, seasons and challenges in our life, all right? Now, there are a lot of things in our lives that, that have come and go and, and, and times and, and, and seasons, and, and uh, the thing is, is just because one of those ends doesn't mean you end. Um, the end of the season doesn't mean the end of your life, all right? Um, it's becoming more and more common these days to see people have two and three careers. Um, I think uh, we have people that even actually go to church here. Um, Dana has had three different careers, our bass player. He's, he's done three different things, and, and like multi, multi, long, like 20 20 plus years in a career and then switched career and retired from that and switched careers and has switched again and is now teaching. And uh, it's becoming more and more common for those kind of things to have people that, that will work 25 years doing one thing and then retire from that and, and start something else and then retire from that and start something else. Or while that's going on and they're, and they're working this, they may have a business venture going on over here and they may be starting something else over here. This is becoming more and more common. Why? Because people want to do more with their life than they've done. It is entirely possible to complete multiple seasons in your life and be successful at all of them all right um, norman schwarzkopf once said life is a collection of seasons losers will hang on to the old season while winners will embrace the new second timothy chapter four verse number six paul's writing to timothy here and he says this for i am already poured out drink offering and the time of my departure I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Now, I want you to think about those, those words that Paul's talking about here. Paul is talking about being set in his life where his life is just about over. He is almost ready to depart this life and go to heaven. And he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course. Think about Paul's course on this life, though. Paul was not just an apostle to the early church that's what we mostly really know a lot about him and that's what has, has affected us the most but Paul actually had many things in his life that he did in Acts chapter 18 verse number three we see that one thing that he did was he was a tent maker and because he was of the same craft in verse number three he abode with them and and and, and wrought with them for by their occupation they were all tent makers Paul had a season in his life where he sewed tents. Now, that doesn't seem like a very glamorous job to me. I don't know about you. Maybe you're into, you know, sewing and cutting and stuff like that. I, I you know, these are Lincoln Log fingers. I don't know if anybody else has this problem, but when, when you hold a, a needle in these, it's like, that's not really going to get it done. Just not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Now, um, but Paul actually did this for a time. Then we also know over just a few chapters later in, in Acts chapter 23, verse number 6, we see that Paul um, talks about his career of being a Pharisee. Uh, verse number 6, but when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. So we know that Paul was a tent maker for a while. He was a Pharisee for a while, and we also know that he was a, a, an apostle to the early church. Traveled all over Europe and 
preach the gospel to the nations. Glad to have Terry back with us. Terry just came back from a big trip uh, uh, to Columbia where she was down there for three weeks ministering uh, and, and doing the, just the work of an, a missionary and evangelist and teacher and everything down there. And, and, and it's really good to see you back here. I missed you while you were gone. Those three weeks seemed like forever. But um, listen, this is the kind of thing that Paul did. Paul had multiple seasons in his life. And a lot of times the mistake that people make is they're looking for that one season that they can really latch on to. Listen, there may be a season in your life that is a dominant season, but it is not the only season. Listen, how many of you know you have variety in you? Come on, that's good stuff right there. You have variety in you, and there are multiple things that God's called you to do that collectively go to the general call that he's called you to do. You know, I don't sing and, and you should all be glad that my microphone's not turned on when I'm standing right there. I feel sorry for them sometimes because they can probably hear me, but I don't sing, okay? I can talk to a fence post and talk for hours, but if I start singing, it's a nightmare, okay? It is an absolute nightmare, all right? Now, I, I was a theater major in college, so you can probably imagine you had to, we had to do some musical theater, that's, a, that's not a, you know, so acting, acting singing is not the same as singing a special. So when you act and sing, you can kind of talk your way through it. And I did that, all right, uncomfortably, poorly, <laughs> okay. But I talked my way through it. And, and the, th the thing that I realized that it, it, when I was going through that is my gift of talking is not the only thing that I can do. That is a dominant thing that I can do. But there are some things that sometimes we just need to get out of the boat just a little bit and think about what else can I do? Because there are other things in your life that you have giftings in, even if you don't feel comfortable with them, God still put them there for a reason. Listen, Paul's ultimate calling was to be an apostle, but he had some kind of flair for, for making things out of fabric. He must have had some kind of flair for, for being an academic because the, the Pharisees were... They were smart people. There had to be other gifts, but we all know his, his big dominant gift was to preach. Listen, that may be the thing God's called you to do, but listen, there are other things that you can be doing. And there are multiple seasons in your life, okay? Enjoy the fruits of your labor. Listen, I know some people that have retired and, and, and want to go and say, I worked real hard for 30 years you know, at, at this plant or this factory or, or doing this. And those are all great. Enjoy the fruit of what you put into it. Enjoy what success you've had. There are people that have made millions. There are people that have been successful in business. And now they kind of want to sit back and listen. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of your labor, enjoying your success. There is nothing wrong with that. But there is also nothing wrong with a season ending in your life and you moving on to another Okay, as long as you're alive, there is absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying success, but there is absolutely everything wrong with you doing nothing. Okay, you can still make a mark on this world. I think Walmart is an is a incredible organization because they have actually seen the potential in this. How many of you have walked into a Walmart and shaking hands with a 75-year-old retiree who's standing there at the door. Said, you know, they're standing there, welcome to Walmart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Now, now some people might think, well, you know, they're just, I'm sure those people are bored or whatever, you know. Listen, no, it's because those folks don't want to just sit around and collect us. They say, you know what, at least I can go and stand and say hi to somebody, maybe make somebody's day. I can point out somewhere and say, hey, um, yeah, the, the, the towels are on this row. Or, I mean, I can actually still make a difference. Walmart has actually understood that and started to grab a hold of that and, and say, listen, all you folks that are retired that are looking for something to do, you can come be a greeter here. That may seem so trivial and that may seem so like, oh man, I don't want to go be a Walmart greeter. I'm not saying you're called to be a Walmart greeter. I am saying that you're called to do more than just sit back and do nothing. All right? Uh, there's a, a Russian uh, author and playwright, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to attempt his name, but nobody's allowed to make fun of me, okay? You're not allowed to laugh at me, okay? I think it's Yevgeny Zamiatin. I don't, again, I butchered it. But anyway, um, he says this, a man is like a novel. Until the very last page, you don't know how it's going to end. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth reading. You should never know, and, and, and you should never be in a position where you're just sitting back and saying, this is how my life is going to end. It should only come at the point before you go home to glory that you can be like Paul and say, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have run my race, all right? Proverbs 19.21 says, many plans are in a man's mind, but it is the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. Jody and I uh, ended a season in Kentucky. We were there for uh, 10, uh, uh, 10 years as youth pastors at, at, at my uncle's church. Then we went on to work at Kenneth Hagin Ministries and Raymond Bible Church in Tulsa, you know, and, and it was a huge church, you know, 8,000 strong, um, 500 kids in the youth group. I was a youth pastor over that, and, and we were there, and, 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 and it was a great time. And you know what? I look back, and I think, I used to sit in my office and think, I can't imagine doing anything else. I can't imagine doing anything else. And when that season ended, I, I, I thought, wow, what, what else is there? And I, I stepped over and did some associate pastor work and stuff like that there. And, and, and then the Lord started to talk to us about coming to Orlando to start a church. What happened? That season ended and God started a new season. All right? The three questions you need to ask yourself are this. Are you done? Is there more that you want to do? Number two, have you given everything you have inside of you right now? Is there still something left in you that you can do? That's, that's that question. And number three, have you obeyed God's call in your life? Are you done? Really, did you, did you see it all the way through? Because there are some times where we, we do things and we kind of let things trail off and we don't, we don't really finish. But listen, if you've truly gone and finished, that's the first question. Then, have you given everything you have inside you? Miles Monroe says this, you should always die empty. When you go to the grave, there should be nothing left inside you. There should be no more ideas. There should be no more thoughts. There should, no, there should be no regrets. You should die empty. Have you given everything you have? And then uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, was praying, and he said, Lord, if there's any way I can get out of this, get me out of it. But then he said this, however, not my will, but your will be done. Have you done what God's called you to do? 
You may have gone and worked a job for 30 years somewhere. You may be in the process of, of being a career or something. But are you doing that because God called you to do that? Or are you doing that to, to get by and, and, and pay the bills, which I'm thoroughly believing that's, that's right. But in the middle of that, are you doing the things God's called you to do? If you can say those things, then you can say your race is done. All right? To start over here is a shift in seasons that allows you to become the next chapter. All right? Let's talk about challenges for a second. A challenge doesn't mean that you have to stop. Psalms chapter 24, verse number 19 says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. There are challenges that are going to come against us. Y'all know that, right? Anybody in here challenge-free? <laughs> challenges are going to come. Challenges are going to face us. But listen, we don't have to take the challenge and let it beat us. That doesn't have to be the defining moment in our life that ends us. When I was 16, um, I, my mom and dad bought me a car and, and um, I, I, my dad let me park it in the garage, which, I, I mean, it was really something. That was a big deal. To, let, to have my dad move one of his cars out and let me park my car in the garage was a big deal. And they kept telling me over and over again, now, Brent, there's a garage door key. There's a garage door key. Make sure you put that on your key ring. And I just keep, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get that again. And there's a garage door key, and, and, and there's a garage door key. Hey, Brent, you need to put that garage door key on there. One day you're going to be locked out of the house and not going to be able to get in. Oh, yeah, whatever. You know, and we, we have an electric garage door. We lived on a farm. Nobody around. What are we going to lock the door for? And so um, I just kept forgetting to put it on there. and kept forgetting on there. And so one day I came home from school after football practice, and I got home first. And guess what? The garage door was locked. Up went the garage door. In I pulled the car, I got out, and there is a locked door staring me in the face. And I'm like, this is before cell phones, okay? This is before, you couldn't just reach in your pocket, text your mom, where are you going to be? And even if people did have cell phones and it was in the car and it was this big, giant, clunky thing, and you, in rural Kentucky, you had to wait till you hear a dial tone. You had to sit there and wait, 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 and then you, and then you dialed. <laughs> okay, that's how long ago that was. All right. And so I, I'm just like, I don't know how long they're going to be. I'm, I don't know what else to do. And so I did the really smart thing. I decided I'd just break the door in. <laughs> so I go up to the door, and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying the driver's license trick. I've seen that done a million times. Not working. Jimmying, sticking a coat hanger, and not, nothing's working. And so I'm just like, you know what, if I could just pop it just a little bit, it'll go, it'll go on in. So I'd seen that done on movies, sure, man. I mean, Rambo, boom, kicked them doors. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all those guys, man. I mean, just one pop and boom, it was open. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I can do this, I can do this. So I rear back and boom, and the doors almost laughed at me. <laughs> and I was like, hey, 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 you're supposed to fly open. What is up with that? So I backed up and gave it another go. Boom! And it's still shut, still looking back at me. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to really give it the old, you know, college try here. So I really took about two steps back, man. And boom! And I opened the door, and I was like, yes! And I looked over and saw all the collateral damage to the, to the door frame. I, I, needless to say, I was in trouble over that. My, my mom wasn't very happy. 
My dad was really not happy. But the thing I realized from that is sometimes when you face things like that, you have to back up and hit it again. And sometimes you have to back up and hit it again. And a lot of times people face challenges, and when challenges come up, the first time it hits back, they stop. What happens? They don't start over. They finish right then. In sports, there is something called the wall. Uh, it's it's that, that term, anybody ever heard the term hitting the wall? Uh, in endurance sports such as cycling and running, hitting the wall, or it's also called the bonk, uh, describes a condition caused by the depletion of glycogen storage in the liver and in the muscles, which manifests itself by a sudden fatigue and loss of energy. I remember when I first started going to the gym, and I got on the bike at, uh, at, a, at a, um, a gym there in, T- in Tulsa, and I started, you know, riding, 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 and I mean, at the 13-minute mark, I don't know what happened at 13 minutes, but I mean, it was like, I mean, to get it around one time was like an effort. It was like, and it wasn't like, you know, one of these kind of programs where it was like you're at the top of the peak of the hill and it's the big, I mean, it was just like a normal flat, you know, right? And I just, I couldn't do it. I had to literally stop. And uh, the, the thing is, is this happens in our lives as well. The term hitting the wall is a sports term, but in our lives, we hit the wall all the time. Now here, you know, this church is, is three and a half months old and we've already seen some people hit the wall. And just be like, you know, it's, 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 because it's a new process and it's a, it's a new thing and, you know, and, and, and we don't have everything that every church that's established has going yet. And, and, and some, you know, we've already seen people drop off because it's challenging. It's, it's different. It's, it's hard. And the thing is, is the wall is not just a depletion of carbohydrates in your body. This is a real thing that will actually push back against you. That's why the Bible says many are the afflictions. And if we were going to talk about it today, many are the walls that face the righteous. But listen, the Lord can deliver you out of them all. There is a a book called Psycho-Cybernetics, and it was written by a man named Maxwell Maltz. And uh, he's, you've actually probably heard of him, whether you realize it or not. Um, He's the guy that um, hatched um, baby ducks in his laboratory. And when the ducks came out, he was standing next to the nest, and he was going quack, 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 quack. And he's got this big, nasty, gnarly beard, and he's whack, quack, quack, quack. And uh, you've actually seen, and the ducks immediately, the little baby ducks came out and immediately were attracted to him. They followed him around the, the laboratory. I mean, there's pictures of him online. If you Google his name, there's pictures of him in a lake with his beard out like this and the, and the ducks are floating and he's swimming like this in the lake. And, and, and the, the, the ducks followed him around. Now, you, real, you, you, don't under, you don't think you've ever heard of this concept? Tom and Jerry did a cartoon about this. The little baby duck comes out and sees Tom first and starts calling him mama. Does anybody remember this? <laughs> this is that whole concept, okay? And so they follow him around. All right, so they keep following him around and following him around and following him around. Finally, he actually takes the biological mother duck and reintroduces them to the, to the baby ducks. And they rejected her. Why? Because they were programmed, they were programmed 
to, to, to think something else and, and to do something else. And as soon as the challenge came of them to make an adjustment to their mother, their programming kicked in and they rejected it. What happened? They didn't start over. They were finished before they began. Our programming does this to us. The first time, you know, you see something hard and challenging and it's, and it's oh, you want to quit. Okay, breaking through a barrier or a door does mean that sometimes we have to start over, back up, and hit it again. You'll have, you'll have challenges that you face, but it's those who actually will face those challenges are the ones who have a chance to be the ones to defeat them. Somebody said this, you have a 100% chance of not overcoming a challenge that you never take a stand against. You will fail 100% of the time. Right? It's in the starting over against the challenge that our finest moments are most likely to occur because when we are feeling deeply uncomfortable, unhappy, or unfulfilled, we either stop and go away or we become what we're supposed to become. It's only in such moments propelled by our discomfort that we are likely to step out of our ruts and start searching for different ways or truer answers. God has given us the answers to our problems. I did a series a, few, a couple of months ago about speaking to your problems and speaking to the mountain. And we can speak to those problems. And, and we, can, uh, we can have those, those things happen. We can, we can speak the answers. But you know what? We shouldn't just say those things once and be done with it and just go, oh, I tried that. Sometimes you have to speak it today and turn around, start it over, and speak it again tomorrow. And start over again the next day and, and speak it again that day. What is the main factor in starting over with challenges? Two things, and we'll wrap this up. Number one, sticking with it. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7, it says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. For what is, or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil, now this should make somebody happy right here. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? The thing is, is you may say, I'm so sick and tired of dealing with this God. But you know what? You should ask again. God, I thought we had this taken care of. You should still ask again. God, I, I, I mean, I haven't put up with that thing in, in 10 years. Ask again. How much more? Because once you ask, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand uh, to be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand verse 14 starts off like this stand therefore having done everything that you know to do you've asked you've prayed you've believed now what stand what's he saying stick with it ask again today my five-year-old will ask me 45 times for a cup of uh, apple juice I mean, he'll, he hasn't learned yet that you have to wait for me to finish what I'm doing and then I'm going to answer you. It's, Daddy, I want apple juice. Daddy, I want apple juice. Dad, I want apple juice. 
Daddy, apple juice, apple juice, apple juice, apple juice, apple juice. Daddy, I want apple juice. Finally, it's like, okay, just a minute. Just give me one second. I'm kind of doing something here. <laughs> He'll ask and keep asking. And you know what? That doesn't, it doesn't affect, it doesn't bother him. He's not bothering me. In his mind, there is no reason why I haven't already gone to the, and got the apple juice. Why? Because I'm his dad. I supply his needs. He understands that. He knows that if there's something he needs and I have it, he's got it. He doesn't, he's not inhibited by coming and asking me. He's not afraid to start. If, if he drinks it all, he's not afraid to get up and walk over and ask for more. Sometimes that's the way we are with God. We're afraid to even ask. We're afraid. We don't want to start over and ask him, God, you should know me by now. Listen, I, I, I texted Jody yesterday. I was out running errands, and I said, do you need anything or want anything? And before she even texted me back, I said, I bet we need apple juice. And what do you think the first text back was? Apple juice. My son's not a, not a bit afraid to come and ask me for that. He's not afraid to, to bug the, the living fire out of Jody over that. Why? Because he knows the relationship that we have. Listen, don't be afraid to ask God to help you with challenges in your life. Oh, God, you should know. I know my son's going to drink apple juice, but I'm not just going to keep pouring it on him and you know, just all over him. And Listen, he, he knows it. He needs it. He asks. Stick with it. Come and ask. And then the last thing is this, dividing your problems into something that you can do now. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided, divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore... They shall be your judges. A lot of times when people look at challenges that they're facing, they look at the challenge as a whole. And that's when it can become overwhelming. This is when hitting the wall really stands out. When you look at the whole wall and you think, I'm so small and I'm so you know, powerless against something that big, we, we, we tend to retract. Jody and I, have had many discussions on our new, when we moved here, we moved into our, our house and, and uh, you know, we've still, we've got most of our boxes unpacked, but not, you know, it's three months and we're starting a church, so you don't have time to unpack at all. And so we've been talking about, um, you know, okay, we need to really come up with some kind of plan to really finish this off. <laughs> and the thing is, both of us are guilty of this. We look at the whole house and we go, we, didn't, we should have just left all this crap in Tulsa. <laughs> we should have just left it all there. There's too much here. And it's just like, well, we, it's such an overwhelming job, and I'm, I'm really kind of tired. <laughs> I don't really want to do this. But what we've decided is one room at a time. What are we doing? We're taking the whole challenge, and we're doing what Jesus said, dividing it. Because when things are broken up into small pieces, it can be defeated. It can be finished. Now, some people's smaller pieces may be bigger than other people's smaller pieces, but still dividing your problems. In a book called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, and the, the, the catch line of that book is how little things can make a big difference. He says, the tipping point is that magic moment where an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold tips over and spreads like wildfire. Has anybody read that book in here? 
It's a great book. The Tipping Point is a great book. Basically, what he's telling you to do is if you're starting a business or, or you're doing anything in your life, it's little things that you stack up that eventually they become so top-heavy that the whole thing tips over. And that's what you want. You don't want it to, to, to just be a, a stand. You want it to tip over because when it tips over, it, 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 the collateral damage goes further. Okay, it's a bigger, all right, it's a, it's a point that it crosses over into greatness. And I started thinking about it as I was reading that book. I was like, man, that sounds like my old football coach who told us, you know what the difference is between good and great? It's little things. Listen, if you can divide your problems into little things and little pieces, you can, you can actually do a whole lot more than you think you can. Now, listen, you could get discouraged by doing that if you knocked off one. Oh, I've got to do it again. Two. I mean, we, we watched him knock down, what, six or seven? And it looked like he had been working on it for a while. But see, this is what starting over does. This one didn't take it down, so now I'm going to start over on the next one. Boom. Boom. That one didn't take it down. I'm going to start over on the next one. Stick with it. Do what you can do. All right? There's a parable of an old farmer who owned an old mule, and the mule fell into the farmer's well. The farmer heard the mule braying, or whatever mules do when they fall into wells. And after carefully assessing the situation, the farmer sympathized with the mule, but decided that neither the mule nor the well was worth the trouble of saving. So instead, he called his neighbors together and told them uh, what had happened and enlisted them to help haul dirt to bury the old mule in the well and put him out of his misery. Initially, the old mule was hysterical. But as as the farmer and his neighbors continued shoveling and the dirt hit his back, a thought struck him. It suddenly dawned on him that, it, that every time a shovel load of dirt landed on his back, he should shake it off and step up on it. This he did, blow after blow. Shake it off and step on up. Shake it off and step on up. Shake it off and step on up. Anybody know where this is going? He repeated to himself and encouraged himself, no matter how painful the blows were, how distressing the situation seemed, the old mule fought panic and just kept right on shaking off the dirt and stepping up on it. It wasn't long before the old mule, battered and exhausted, stepped triumphantly over the wall of the well. What seemed like it would bury him actually blessed him all because of the manner in which he handled his adversity. If we face our problems, respond to them positively, and refuse to give in to panic, bitterness, or self-pity, the adversities that come along to bury us usually have within them the potential to benefit and bless us. This challenge may be hitting you. This challenge may be distracting you. It's okay because you are just getting backed up into the arms of a God who has the answer. Many are the afflictions. Many are the blows that this problem is going to give me. But I'm going to start over today and I'm going to start over today and I'm going to, come on somebody, this is good, and I'm going to start over today. Why? Because I'm backing up into the answer and the answer is what I'm looking for. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to step on my problems and turn it into a stepping stone. Heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm done. Father, thank you for our time together today. I pray right now in Jesus' name that if there are people here that have allowed challenges or the ends of seasons to stop them in their tracks, Lord, help them start over today. Lord, help them start doing 
the next chapter, do, finishing the current chapter, Lord, and being what you've called them to be. Lord, it's so important. Father, I pray that you would help them, give them the boldness and the strength and the tenacity to start over. That challenge that's facing them, give them strength today to face it. Give them strength tomorrow to face it. Lord, give them the strength they need to start over every day until that problem manifests in defeat. We thank you for that, Lord. We give you praise now in Jesus' name.